0: Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from MadSingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this next episode of the Mad Singers Management Podcast. And today I have with me Laura Roda. Welcome to the show, Laura.
1: Hello, I'm excited to be here.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So there might be a few people on the planet who still haven't heard about you and know who you are. Would you mind giving them a a quick introduction to your background and so on?
1: Yes, I think there are lots of people on the planet. Probably the majority don't know who I am. Uh, Who knows? (laughs) I have been... An entrepreneur for a little over 10 years now. Uh, so I've been working for myself full time. Um, Pretty much my whole working life. I had a job for about a year after college, and then I've been supporting myself since then. So I've had a few different business models from consulting to online courses to now SaaS. Uh, It's pretty much all been in the online marketing and social media marketing world. And my company now, Meet Edgar, which is five years old, we're a social media automation tool. So we help you promote your content on twitter and facebook and instagram and linkedin and all the social networks and really automate it for you and make it really easy
0: yep that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense so um how, how many staff do you have right now Laura?
1: we have i think 13 right now
0: nice okay so that's a good size what, what's the biggest team you have ever had
1: the biggest, we were larger at Edgar before we were up to like 23 or 24, something like that.
0: Cool. Excellent. So what's your what's your management philosophy? Like when you think about a team, when you think about a business, like what, what's sort of the philosophy you have around management and how you think of, of managing the people?
1: I guess I think of management as you know, I think a manager's job is to just make life as easy as possible for people to do their individual contribution. So whether that's clearing roadblocks for people, making sure that they can communicate with others easily, uh, helping them have all the information organized, definitely sometimes helping them with their own Uh, thought processes, their own limiting beliefs, looking at how they're thinking about things so that they can be more effective at work.
0: That makes sense. And, And anything in particular you feel you do very different than most of your colleagues, if you will?
1: Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that we do differently is have 40-hour work weeks, <laughs> as sad as that sounds, <laughs> so that's really different. Uh, you know, our team is all in the U.S., we're a software startup, so a lot of companies like us work very, very long hours. Um, And it's just so normal for any kind of professional job now that after work, you go home and you're back on work in the evening. So we absolutely do not do that. We work regular business hours, Monday through Friday. We do not work in the evenings. We do not work in the weekends. And this goes for the whole team. So you will not have any emails landing in your inbox or certainly no texts or calls or anything like that over the weekend. We just don't do it.
0: Well, if they use Edgar they can obviously plan it during the weekend. So that's a smart move,
1: huh? Yes, you can the software is still available <laughs> over the weekend. But yeah, I mean it you know, it really ties in with what the software does. The whole idea of using Edgar is that you can really automate and free up more time um, for other things in your business. So we're certainly big believers in, you know, not, not spending time on busy work that you don't need to be spending time on.
0: That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. What what's the biggest challenge you've ever had management wise?
1: I mean, I would imagine a lot of people would say the same thing, which is letting people go is is really challenging deciding when it's the right time. And we are not afraid to do it at Meet Edgar. It's something that I've I've done many times over the years. Sometimes someone was the right fit when they started, but they're no longer or you know, you thought they had skills that didn't end up being the their best skills or didn't end up being the best fit for the company. So it's, it's really challenging to let people go because you can't help but think of the personal side, you know, when you're fired from a job it's devastating. There's no two ways around it, right? Like that's, it's a bad, it's a bad thing, at least short term, you know, hopefully long term, it leads you to a position that you are happier in that you can succeed in that's a better fit for you. But certainly every person that I've ever let go, I have definitely, you know, debated the decision for months and months and really wanted to make sure it was the right move. And and it's been stressful sometimes.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely is stressful. One, one thing I learned though, like I, I think there's a big difference. Sometimes if you have to let go of people because you're losing money or you, know, you you have to downscale and you're letting go of good people, like that's really difficult. If someone isn't performing, at least for me personally, it, it tends to be a little bit easier. And and one, one thing I actually learned, one of my first mentors, what, what he said is like, most people who aren't performing in a job, are actually not happy though. And that's often one of the reasons why they aren't performing. So very often the, the challenge most people have is that because you keep them there, you, you keep them, like a lot of time, businesses keep people who aren't performing, which really means you keep them in an unhappy state because the sooner you let them go, the more likely they can actually go and find a job that fits their skill set where they can be happy. So that, that kind of helped me a little bit, that mindset with letting go of people who aren't performing so well.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's true that if nothing else, it's very stressful to be in a role where you're not doing well. And, you know, at our company, I think we're pretty good at communicating when people aren't meeting the needs of the role. So they know they're not doing well. And like that, that's a bad feeling to show up at work today and feel like you're not meeting expectations. So even though I know that it sucks, I know that it's definitely also a relief on on some level when that happens.
0: Well, I, uh, let me turn it around. Uh, most of the companies I, I go in and work with, they, they're trying to fire people who have never been told they aren't performing. Mm. And uh, I would much rather be the person who set clear expectation and tell people they aren't performing before you let them go rather than coming as like up, out of the blue sky, right? Like you, you want to give people fair warning. You want to set clear expectations, right?
1: Yeah, and I, I feel good that we've done that. It's never been a shock. I mean, sometimes, you know, people obviously aren't like, okay, I didn't know this was going to happen today, but I've never talked to anyone who's been completely shocked and hasn't seen it coming.
0: Yeah. What's the most sort of uh, important skill you feel you have learned in terms of management? Like, what's the what's the skill you're like, wow, I'm really happy I learned this one thing?
1: I mean – what comes to mind is just how different people are and that you're going to be really frustrated if you expect humans to all act the same, which is often humans acting the way that you do, <laughs> you know, is what we want. We're like, I see things this way and I have this attitude or when something bad happens, this is how I respond or how I deal with it. And, you know, every... Every person has like positive and negative traits, right? We always talk about this when we're hiring because when you're hiring, you can really fall into this trap of thinking that you're looking for the perfect. Person, you know, it's like their skills are the perfect match. Their attitude is the perfect match. Their work history is the perfect match. They've already successfully done everything we want them to do for a SaaS company, just like ours. And we have to remember that that perfect match isn't out there. So what we want to find with hiring is kind of what their strengths and weaknesses are and then say, are we okay with that? It's like with your spouse, right? Your spouse isn't perfect, but you're like, okay, I can I can live with <laughs> whatever well, their downsides are. My
0: spouse not, might not be, but obviously I am. <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. So, yeah, I think just accepting that, like, it just because these little things can really get blown out of proportion. Like, I think especially how when, when something's hard, maybe the way someone responds, like maybe when something bad happens, they get really frustrated and they kind of vent about it, but actually they're over it the next day. But you might get really hung up on like, oh, they shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't be venting. Like that's not appropriate. Well, really it's like, you know what, that's just sort of how they deal with it. It's fine. They got over it. You know, they got back to their work. So I think recognizing just, okay, not everyone is the same. Not everyone is like me. We just really have to focus on are they meeting the needs of the business? And that includes, you know, getting along with the team, right? It's not just like, okay, they had this output, they have to also be a productive member of the rest of the team. But as long as that's happening, you don't really need to stress about exactly how people are, are doing it or interacting.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, I spend a lot of time uh, teaching teaching disc and sort of behavioral, mm. the various behaviors, right? And I, I, I mean, for me, it was, the, it was the game changer for me with my success management wise, because for me, it wasn't as much necessarily understanding everyone, but it was as much understanding people who were very different from me like people who are like me it's always i mean you communicate well with them that's simple but for me particularly people who were so different than me that was like it was such a game changer being able to communicate and and actually understand them because so often you know you you're sitting somewhere and you're like thinking why would anyone on planet earth ever make that decision <laughs> right, you can't right. because you can't put yourself in their shoes right but when you start understanding how they look at the world, then it becomes a lot more understandable, right? So, yeah, no, that's good. That's good. And I think, um, yeah, particularly in strengths and weaknesses, right, like, like I think as, as leaders we leaders like portraying themselves like perfect people. And, and that's one of the things that I'm kind of trying to make up with. So what, what do you consider your own key strength and your, your own key weakness?
1: I mean, strength for me, one is communicating a vision, getting people excited. You know, sharing sharing my own excitement. I think that's something that I can do really well. Get get other people on board. Um, a weakness for me actually is is dealing with um, <laughs> kind of the, <laughs> the human non work side of people. <laughs> I guess. Like I have, you know, when I talk to people, I'm like, you know, I've seen other companies where at the start of every call, it's like they share, you know, something positive that's happened to them that day, something negative that's happened to them that day. I'm like, let's just talk about the work thing. Like, let's just go straight to the agenda. You know, let's skip the small talk. And that's one of those things where different people function differently. Right. So I sometimes have to be like patient people who do want to have a little more small talk or personal connection in the beginning. One, I have to be patient with that. And then two, sometimes I have to make a point to, to do that even when it might not come so naturally to me, because to some people they think that I don't care if I'm not doing that. Right. That's kind of how people see the world. It's like, Oh, the well, Lord didn't even ask me about my dog. She, she doesn't care about me as a person at all. And really that's not true. I'm just like, I don't know. I'm not thinking about <laughs> their dog, but I really, <laughs> but I do care very much <laughs> their dog as well so I have to that's something that I have to sort of like constantly remind myself okay am I you know showing that I do care about people's whole lives and not just their work
0: and and I, I think I mean I've, I've been like exact same situation right I like I kind of feel horrible saying it to be honest but you know I've been sitting with people like oh my cat died yesterday and they're crying and I'm kind of honestly like I care but in my mind I'm already like okay what's the next thing I have to do <laughs> so when I come out of this room I have to go do this and this and you know and it, it feels shitty to say it and sometimes I even feel shitty feeling like that but uh, again you have to embrace it right you have to understand yourself and, and actually learn to see like un- understand what that is right and how you can how, how you can at least uh, not necessarily always improve your weaknesses but how you can make them bearable right because my lesson learned is that if it's too obvious that you don't care people uh, don't like it much
1: yeah right <laughs>
0: so yeah no that's interesting and and i really like like I, I think too often in business people really don't share weaknesses right they're too afraid they they always want to look like they're perfect and their company's perfect and so on but i think it, it really uh, hinders people in in learning valuable lessons from others so i'm uh I'm very happy you share something from from yourself. So that's good. Yeah. Um, any particular management skill that you feel you've sort of struggled to learn or really struggled to onboard um, throughout your your career?
1: I mean, something that's definitely been a journey for me is understanding. Kind of the power dynamic of being someone's boss, because oh. that's where it's not been so great for me to not have much work experience. Like I said, I only had one job, um, oh. and then I've you know been the boss ever since. So, I I don't have a lot of personal experience kind of navigating that relationship of someone else being my superior. And I think a lot of people when they start working for themselves, it's easy to forget that the the people that you manage that there's just like inherent stuff in that relationship, like that they, you know, want to put their best foot forward for you, that they might have a really hard time criticizing you or criticizing your ideas. A lot of leaders will be like, oh no, I tell people all the time that they can criticize anything that I say. Um, but they don't really – you know, just saying that is not really enough and that it's it's just inherently going to be really challenging for people to criticize the, the person who can fire them, right? That That's just the reality of it. So I think um, it's a weird one kind of trying to have more empathy for how people see you and knowing that kind of like you sort of – you sort of have to be the the bigger person in assuming that any like communication problems that they're having to not worry about it I feel like I'm not I'm not saying this in a very clear way but like I guess what I'm saying is if they're having trouble approaching you about something you can't be frustrated about it or like oh well I just I just told them that they could approach me I think you really do have to treat it with kid gloves and really give them a lot of leeway, you know, ask people over and over and over again and just know that that is, is part of this power imbalance that is just inherently there.
0: Yeah. And and I would say like in Asia, I have a big part of my team in in the Philippines and, and I would say it's probably even more prevalent there. But what I've always found is like when you reward the right behavior particularly in a team setting, that often makes it a lot easier for people to understand that it's okay. And the the second thing I would say is that sometimes people, you know, when people come up with what they call bad suggestions or whatever, they, they hit it down very hard right? They're like, Oh, why would you do that? Like they, like when people open their mouth and talk, whether it's against you or against one of your ideas or something, like the number one thing is show people that you appreciate their point of view, Mm -hmm. because that like particularly in team meetings and stuff, it really makes other people see that, well, that's okay. Right. And Mm -hmm. I, I would say directly, right? I would literally say to people, I'm really happy that you have a different idea for me and I really appreciate that. Keep going with that, right? So I I would actually say that to people directly, and I've found that works really well. It, it it's not always intuitive to do, but I think it's a little bit like culture. When 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 you're trying to talk about your team culture, the best way to do it is bring up positive examples of it, right? And and it's a bit the same with this, but uh, but yeah, it can definitely be a a, a biggie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of my audience have. I'd say I've done a few surveys and and the biggest thing my audience has struggled with in general have been around delegation. So have you got any great hints and tips around delegation or anything that you have learned through your journey?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's such a fascinating topic because people have just sometimes totally opposite points of views on the best way to do it. and the way that I view it, I actually don't even love the word delegation because to me, the word implies that it was my task. I delegated it to someone else and then it's going to have to come back to me because it's still my task. You know what I mean? Like that, that's sort of an implication of the word is that I'm delegating my own task as opposed to the way I like to view it is just that different people own different objectives and different areas of the business, right? So our head of customer service, customer experience, I didn't delegate the customer experience to her. She just owns the customer experience and, and I do not. You know, she's, no. she's the decision maker there. I can tell her that I don't like something that she's doing. And of course, at the end of the day, it's my company. If I think she's (laughs) making everything a total disaster, I'm going to say, Hey, we're not going to do that anymore. Right. But, um, barring any disasters, which have never happened, it's, it's just hers. It's her responsibility. And I think you can do this a lot sooner than a lot of people think. A lot of people have this idea like, okay, when business is bigger, I could do that. Or after I've trained people for years and years, I could do that. And, I love questioning people's assumptions about this because people often believe it about the silliest things and it becomes really obvious when you make them say it out loud. You know, I've met people who are, I'm like, okay, what do you do that, that you hate doing that someone else should be doing? And they'll be like, oh, well, you know, I really hate, like I have to download these receipts from PayPal and then I have to like reconcile them. And I'm like, okay, so no one else could do that. So they're like, well, you know, there's this like special way that I put it in a spreadsheet. So I'm like, okay out of all the billions of people on this earth like you think that you are the only one that can download the spreadsheet from paypal and like put it in this other spreadsheet it's it's an absurd idea but we get really attached to like oh it's going to be so much trouble explaining it like is it really that complicated <laughs> what you do with the spreadsheet like if it took you a week to explain it which would be crazy if it took you all day every day for a week to explain it it would still save you a ton of time if someone else just uh, not, never do it
0: again. Not just the time, but the headache, right? So, oh, so yes. one of the, the, the worst things that I have with delegation is like, well, both when you have something that you suck at, like, you, usually the stuff you're not good at, you generally don't like doing right? Mm-hmm. So when you have things that you don't like doing, it's not just the time it takes doing them, but it's the 17 reminders that you always keep postponing of doing it because, you know, you hate doing it. So you'll push it out. You'll do it tomorrow. You'll do it the day after. And like, it's that mental bandwidth and the mental annoyance of having it. That's actually just as, <laughs> just as horrible as, as the time the task itself takes. Think about, a. Yeah. Uh, Think about the yearly tax and stuff like that. Like people people going about it for months, right? Like literally months, they'll keep thinking about it. When they actually right. sit down and do it, it'll take them half a day. Yeah. But, you know, like they can literally for months, they can run around with their subconscious and be like, oh, I hate it. I have to do it. I know I have to do it. And Yeah, it, it's funny. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, an idea that really helped me, I I think I first learned this from Cameron Harold. is he talks about, rate yourself on the different tasks that you do. And, you know, the highest rating is excellent or something like that. And the lowest rating is incompetent. I remember you give it a little letter. So it's like I for incompetent. So you write down, you know, so when you start your business, right, you're doing everything. And so there are some things that you do that you are incompetent at. And it's a great way to look at it because it's like, okay, if I hired someone else to do this and they were incompetent at doing it, I would fire them. I would find someone else to do it. Like if I'm doing my own bookkeeping or writing my own blog posts or whatever it is, and I'm incompetent at it, the results are really, really bad. And like you said, Shirley, I hate doing it. I put it off forever. Maybe my taxes are late because I put something off. Right? It's just it's so silly to keep giving yourself tasks that you're incompetent at, and it's obviously going to hinder the growth of your business. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's very interesting. Very interesting. Um, another one I, I really love, like, I'm, I'm very, very keen on developing people and developing particularly the leadership side of things. Like, how, how do you normally identify the sort of future leaders in your business and the, like the future managers, etc? Like, do you have a process or how do you normally do that?
1: Yeah, I think this is such a great question. You know, our business is is very small. So we don't have, um, you know, our team isn't big enough to have clear career paths for this, where you're a junior and then associate and then senior and then VP or whatever. So, but we have certainly had people, um, you know, come up from entry level jobs or, you know, quote unquote lower jobs to leadership jobs. And I think probably the, thing that i see in developing leaders is people who are already looking at the big picture of the company and the big picture of their department you know so there are people who if they're in a customer service role there are people who are in a customer service role that are excellent at answering emails right but they're not but they're not looking at, for example, how to get the response time down. They're just like, I'm great at answering emails. I, I give everyone a good experience. You know, I do it quickly, whatever. But then there's other people who are great at answering emails. And they're also thinking like, wait a minute, why do we always get behind on Thursday? I'm curious about this. What What's happening here? Like, why are their emails building up? Does something happen on Wednesday that makes this happen on Thursday? So people who are just naturally curious and naturally – asking those questions about the what's happening behind the scenes or the cause of some of the things that they see happening in their work, um, those people are usually leaders.
0: Yeah, that's a good way of thinking of it. I like that. Yeah, a lot of the time, like I'm, I'm, I'm very keen on trying to develop it, right? Because I, th- I think a lot of the time, what what I see in most businesses is, you know, they have a bunch of people, and suddenly one day they're like, oh, now I need a manager. Let me pick someone, right? And I always f- find it such a shame that people haven't taken the time previously to actually start developing these skills in people, because, like. As I always say, like when, when it's not like people wake up, uh, sort of go to bed on Friday after work, and they wake up Monday morning and suddenly they're managers, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it's not like a overnight thing. Like most of the time, even if they have some kind of overview and so on, right? Actually, like getting them to think management and getting them into the mindset earlier puts you at a, a huge advantage, right? And I, I always spend a lot of time, like also when people move into management role, like actually giving them training, giving them support, because I, I see it in all the companies I work with. Like, you know, they, they push people into management positions. They push ma- people into a marketing role, management role, and then they buy them courses on SEO and PPC instead of buying them courses on management, right? And it's such a shame because for, for most people, it doesn't take a lot, to make a huge difference, right? And even even showing people, like, getting them a book or getting them some good books, like, even that's a Like, acknowledging to people say, hey, man, you know, I know you're brand new at this. I know you're – I don't expect you to be amazing at day one, right? But let's work on it and let's improve together. That's – that, that mindset for me is is very, very important. So,
1: Yeah, and I think at our company, we've seen that our leaders or managers often – have the strategic side more naturally. And then we're helping more on kind of the people management side of, uh, you know, how to do criticism well, how to help people improve in their jobs, you know, what sort of boundaries you need to set. Uh, and that's really, that's all thanks to um, Sarah Park, who's the president of our company. And she's been with us for day one. Those Those are skills that are really strong for her that aren't as strong for me. And she's always made it a huge priority in the business um, to make sure that p- people can have effective conversations with each other, basically.
0: Awesome. Awesome. What, what are you generally doing? So, when you have managers within your business, right, what are you generally doing to, to make them perform or make sure they're performing as managers?
1: Well, I think a manager's performance is just judged by the, the output of the team. You know, so it's just, is the team meeting the goals if the team's meeting the goals, and they're not all horrifically unhappy, of course. I mean, you could have a team that were meeting the goals, and everyone hates it for for us, we've been pretty i mean not lucky it's like because it is something that we've done on purpose, but we haven't really had problems with well one, like people leaving like very few people have left the company um. Because we, it, like, it is a pretty great place to work environment-wise and vacation-wise and, and all that stuff, so people are usually pretty happy here, and so it, since we, we often have that covered, you know I'm not saying 100 percent of the time every sure. day in the past, but generally we have that covered. so when we're looking at a manager's success, it's just, is, is their team meeting their team's objectives?
0: Yep. okay. that makes sense. That makes sense. Now again talking about some of the things most people don't talk about what what do you consider the biggest business risk at the moment to you guys like what what are the sort of things that that the management team would would think about mitigating and if they are um, from a business standpoint?
1: Well, I mean for us it's always our our reliance on the social networks so you know we're totally reliant on Um, all the social networks, we don't have any power with them. Uh, And I mean, (laughs) it's a constant problem for us all the time. Right now we have Pinterest totally built, but we're just waiting on their approval to partner with them. And that could happen in a day or that could happen never. Uh, So that's, I mean, that's always one of the top risks for us is will we lose our access to these social networks? Will we be able to keep our access in the future?
0: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. That makes a ton of sense. And um, yeah, I I think that's great, Laura. Any questions that you think I should have asked you about management that I haven't?
1: Well, something that I, I didn't get to bring up that's also been really key for me is always assuming that people are trying their best. I think if I had to go back to one idea that, It helps me over and over again when when thinking about management. It's assuming that people are trying their best because we often, you know, like you said earlier, we're like, how could any human make that decision. (laughs) How could they think that, you know, it's such a bad idea. Um, That's usually what our minds jump to. And it's incredibly rare. That you have someone on your team that's like, I'm doing this terrible work on purpose to sabotage the organization. You know, like maybe if you're running a retail store and people are stealing from you, they're getting paid minimum wage, whatever might <laughs> happen. But you know, not like a, a software type of business or especially a small team like ours. So having the point of view, okay, they thought it was a good decision. Like they made the best decision they could with the best information they had at the time why did why why did they think that i think it was a terrible decision so why did they think it was a good decision and also just having this point of view where you're expecting the best of people instead of constantly expecting people to mess up um it makes such a huge difference in the relationship you have with your team
0: yeah and uh, i mean i it's nearly like words coming out of my mouth so again what I, what i always say is i've very rarely met people who wake up in the morning and say yeah i want to go to work and do a shit job today that doesn't happen i've never met anyone at least right so I, a lot of the time like people always make decisions from the po- the point of what knowledge they have, right? So, usually, if people make bad decisions, it's either because they don't have the knowledge or they don't understand how to look at the knowledge they have, right? Mm. And that usually comes down to a management challenge.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, excellent. Laura, uh, here at the end, any particular tips, hints, anything management related that you would love to share with the world?
1: I would just say, you know, don't be don't be scared to start. I know that when you're first forming your team, it's really scary and you're worried that you're going to mess up or you're going to say the wrong thing. I mean, be kind to people, right? If you have that as your bottom line, I think you can't you can't screw up too horribly badly. Like, do your best, be kind to people, and you'll figure it out.
0: Excellent. If people are desperate to get hold of you, what's the best way of doing that?
1: So you can find uh, MeetEdgar, M-E-E-T-E-D-G-A-R, meetedgar.com, Meet Edgar on all the social networks. Um, if you enter the coupon code PODCAST, all caps, PODCAST, that will give you your first month free in MeetEdgar if you want to check it out. Um, and I blog under my name, lauraroader.com. Google it with any spelling, you'll get there. Or you can find me on Twitter at LKR.
0: Excellent. We will add all the links to the show notes. Thank you very much for joining me today, la That's great yeah, having thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review, it means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.